Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Welcome back to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast in which two friends and lifelong film fans sit down and discuss movies that they've watched before, but they've never actually discussed with one another. This week, we're going to cover 1989's Sea of Love. Yes, and this was a movie Al Pacino. um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. With Al Pacino. And we're trying to do longer movies this season, but sometimes you just need a quick break, right? So this was Well, this is, I, I think the greater theme is, um, I haven't seen that in a while, but there's time now. So, yes. you know, my, my background with the movie is uh, through most of my life, um, at my parents' insistence, I watch a very sanitized version um, of this movie. I think on like UPN 9 as the Sunday afternoon movie uh, with, with commercials and then uh, saw it as an adult uh, all the way through for the first time, I guess, 10 years ago or so. Okay. And, and watch it every now and again since. But since we're all in quarantine, uh, yes. there's time now. World, there's, we have world enough in time. World enough so, in time. I saw this in 1989 in the movies when it came out. And when Mike suggested this movie for our next episode, I said, sure. And I said, before I watch it, I'm going to send you a bunch of texts of what I remember about the movie. <laughs> so I just want to go through some of these texts, right? Please. So one was, um, I liked it. And yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. One was, I think the cable guy is the killer. Maybe she was his girlfriend and now he's jealous of her new lovers or something like that. Oh, by the way, spoiler alerts for an ancient movie. I put... John Goodman gets killed somehow involving Pacino being too late on the scene. Now, that's not true, but you know why I thought that? Why? That's what happens in Basic Instinct. Like, I think right. Douglas's partner gets killed because he's too late on the scene or something. So it's interesting that I confused those two movies because there, there was that whole <laughs> genre of, like, you know, dangerous blondes. Right. Um, I put, there's a part where John Goodman has to be, pretend to be a waiter that's pretty funny, right? It that is. is right? Okay. I put... There's some weird thing where before someone is killed, he has to act out some ahem strange scene. Okay, that was confirmed. Spot on. Um, I put, there's a scene where Pacino and her are in a grocery store making believe they don't know each other. And that's supposed to get the audience all hot and heavy. Okay. Spot on. Um, we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, I put, the opening is a big sting where Pacino and the cops get a bunch of people who are wanted to show up and get free Yankee tickets. I love that. That, that, that was great, right? And I put, it was like a well-written version of Basic Instinct. All right, so. I thought it was. Okay, so we'll talk about that. And then I also, uh, for the, for the um, listeners at home, I, I also texted Mike, don't tell me if I'm right about any of these. I just right. Want to... So let's talk about your, your overall thing. So Mike, go. What was your overall thing watching it? Sure. Listen, sometimes we cover films uh, on this podcast, and sometimes we cover ultimate popcorn movies. Uh, I think that Sea of Love is, for my money, the ultimate popcorn movie. This is a great uh, date night thriller. I think it's there are some things about it that are quite dated from 1989, um, but I get a kick out of watching vintage uh, Lincoln Town Cars. I love um, Pepsi cans that look not quite the right, correct diameter. I really enjoyed uh, the way that everybody wore their pants. So th- th- a lot of the things that date the movie for other people, I think uh, make, make me enjoy it. I thought that there were at least three really great performances, uh, not the least from uh, Al Pacino, who I think people would expect it from. I thought John Goodman was very John Goodman. Fair point. And uh, I like Ellen Barkin. was the third performance? I like Ellen Barkin. Oh, okay. You didn't like her performance in this movie? Her performance? Yeah, her performance. We'll, yeah, we'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about her performance. Okay, so sure. here, I, I, let me jump in on this now. So again, uh, Mike and I are here together. You can't see this at home, but I'm holding up my copy of Clockers by Richard Price. <laughs> The novelist who I think, I think Clockers is one of the great, great American novels. I don't think it's a great crime novel. I think it's a great, great novel. Um, I think he's also written great books like Freedom Land, I think is terrific. I think The Whites is terrific. Um, Michael, this is, this is not terrific. This is not terrific. This does not hold up. 
Well, what are your nitpicks with it? Here we go. Well, here's my here's my big thing was what, what I, I don't want... expect you to have a list or anything. No, no, no. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> um, my my first my my overall take on this was I was reminded of something that Samuel Johnson said to his biographer James Boswell at one point when they were eating somewhere. Uh, you know, Boswell said, "Do you like the food?" And he said, "This was a good enough dinner to be sure, but it is not a dinner to ask a man to." And I think that that's an equivalent here. That this this was okay. It was fine if it were on Channel Nine or if it were if I happened to turn it on on TNT maybe. But to set aside time and sit down and watch this movie, I I, I don't I don't know, man. Um, I think you texted me and said it was an A plus. I think that's great inflation. Um, because I think a lot of those things that don't age well, I mean, the pants are funny and the Pepsi can, that's hilarious in the town car, but, um, the, the, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't age well in this movie. Well, like, hit me. Let's well, get specific. Um, um, heavy synthesizer bass music. Every time we're supposed to be in suspense, like he looks down the hallway or he sees the names on the refrigerator, like, <laughs> how about the Kenny G smooth jazz score? You, you know, that was like really hip, right? All right. That's uh, fair. Um, her whole look, I think, was like cringeworthy, like her giant red leather jacket. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just hilarious. And, and you said you saw the sanitized version. Those sex scenes are so cringeworthy. Like when she's behind him going like, oh, I got something for you. And they cut to her body double literally from the neck down, literally from the neck down. So the director's like, look, boobs, aren't they hot? <laughs> I think that scene in the grocery store where she's funneling the peppers is, is I, I almost wanted to avert my eyes. Like it's the opposite of sexy. It's the opposite of sexy. I mean, I don't think Pacino's good. I think that loosening your tie and having a cigarette in your mouth does not make you look like a cop. He's about as believable as a cop as like, as like I am. I mean, but what is he believable as? Well, I mean, I, you know, he's believable as, I think he's more believable in Serpico. Really? Yeah, I think he's. I, well, he's. I find the performance very wooden in Serpico. If I do. Say well, so this was just. It was just him walking around, and, and you know what it was? It was him walking around and apologizing. The whole movie was him apologizing, and then the last ten minutes, he's like kissing her ass, trying to like, oh, enough! Like he's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you gotta, you gotta come lay down with me, Helen. I got the shoes here. Uh, I got the shoes here. And you know, it was a classic movie thing. If you have three drinks, you spill your whole, you spill your guts. Three drinks. All the secrets come out. Everyone's emotions come out. That's, you know, the three drink movie minimum. Okay. I think that some of the stuff that you're complaining about are tropes of American movies in general. And, and, and I guess what yeah, I'm trying to drinks, say is- Okay. The three drinks. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a certain kind of movie that was made, let's say, let's call it from 1985 to maybe 1995, of which this movie, this film is the, is the prime example. Is if, if, you, if you laid them all out, Basic Instinct, um, you're- Relating this to Basic Instinct is great. If you exactly. ask me, do I want to watch Basic Instinct or, or Sea of Love? I want to watch Sea of Love every time. If you ask me, like, do you want to watch Body Heat or Sea of Love? Like, I want to watch Sea of Love. Really? Yeah. You pick Sea of Love over Body Heat? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I find a lot of the performances charming. I think Al, I think, I don't think Al Pacino is a cop. I think part of the point is uh, he's gotten to a point in his career where he doesn't have that identity anymore. Like he's got a badge, but he's just a he's just a dude, and he doesn't have any of his shit together at all. And I I took that as part of the part of the point of the movie. Um, John Goodman made me laugh, but that John Goodman, John Goodman is, made me laugh. John John Goodman is generally yeah. he's a, he's he wavers between a solid B plus and A minus no matter yeah. what he's in, and he could yes. be in any kind of bad movie. You know he he's the best thing about um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. 
Yeah, and that well, that's also you know that's I think, that's I think we can agree on that. I mean, as as the Cyclops. Yeah, um, there's not much good about Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Um, so, I just couldn't. I just I didn't find him sympathetic. I didn't find him. I just found I wanted to like grab him by the lapels. You know what? To, to quote his other great movie, I wanted to grab him by the lapels and say you can act like a man. Like he needed the Johnny Fontaine treatment there. All right. Um, Let's, let's do this. Let's move on to the second segment and get into at least one scene that you, you enjoy and we can start to build from there. How's that? Okay, sounds good. I'll see you there. We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, welcome back to segment two, where we talk about a little moment or a scene or something that we liked. Um, Mike, uh, you're a bigger fan of this movie than I. Tell me something you liked. Sure. I mean, you don't you don't think that the movie that, that the movie flows from uh, from beginning to end. I mean, you don't, yeah. you don't you don't feel wrapped up. You don't want to actually know if she does it. You don't. No, actually, you don't no. ever think that she's that she's implicated you never in this think, at all. No. If I may quote Mike, if I may take a reading from the book of Michael. In a previous episode, you mentioned something called plot armor. I did. He's wearing a lot of plot armor under that red uh, leather jacket with the shoulder pads. There is not a second where you think she's the killer. You really think, at least you, a basic instinct, at least a basic instinct, you really don't know till the very, very end. And then at least, at least uh, who was that? Like uh, Joe Esterhouse had the guts to let Sharon Stone be the ice pit killer. But you... you you don't care about the, the the point at which they're arguing in the kitchen and he sees all the all the names. Yeah, that was the... beautiful in the perfect font. And I just happen to be standing in the kitchen and then oh, and then you hear the music. No, I, I, I thought he was pathetic. He's like, well, I thought we could all move in together. I, I was like, come on. And, and you know, you know, for a second, she didn't do it. There's yeah, no he's pathetic. What? That's what, what I'm that's what I'm saying is he's pathetic. But then how can you be on his side trying to solve the murder? How can you how can you how can you even care what happens to him? He shuffles through the movie. You're not charmed by him at all in the in the first scene when they when they arrest everybody at, at the yes. uh, at the meet the Yankees. That's, I'll tell you. Okay, so he's charming me now. He's trying to. This is like my therapist trying to draw it out of me. He char he charmed me in the beginning. He was totally cool, right? Um, it was how funny was it when Samuel Jackson walks into? By the way, right? <laughs> that was great. Um, anyway, that's charming, and I really liked the way he, what, the way he talked to the doorman. What he said? Oh, someone of weight. He goes, someone of weight. And he kind of like got the doorman to like feel good about himself. And he was like, I was in Korea. And I was like, okay, Richard Price, he's going to do, this is great. Because I read all the Richard Price books since I saw the movie originally. Right. Um, Just to I'm clarify like, for the audience, all, that's the, the screenwriter who yeah. is also a, a great American novelist great and novelist, crime novelist. Right. So um, I thought to myself, oh, it's going to have all this great Richard Price stuff in it. Because I did like Mad Dog and Glory when I saw it. I mean, mm. I think Richard Price has written good movies. But uh, after The Doorman, I, it, was all, it was all just a letdown. Him, him arguing with Richard Jenkins over the body, like with their, with their raffish attitude towards death so they can show, like, oh, I'm so sick of that. <laughs> as much as I'm sick of, you know what else I'm sick of? So you said there was suspense if she did it or not. And then you find out that it's um, uh, um, Michael Rooker, you know, the cable guy. So right. I was correct about that, right? Um, 
you know, how I am so, I don't know about you, I am so tired of trying to find out the cute motive for murderers in books and in movies. Like, I'm just, I'm just done with that. I'm just trying, trying to figure out what, what's the big thing. And it reminded me of, um, and, and I know you know this essay called The Simple Art of Murder by Raymond yes. Chandler. You ever read that, right? Yeah. He says, uh, if, I may, if I may quote him, Please. he says, the boys with their feet on the desks, the cops, know that the easiest murder case in the world to break is the one somebody tried to get very cute with. The one that really bothers them is the murder somebody only thought of two minutes before he pulled it off. Right. And I think that this movie does not do that. It's like, what's the whole thing? And then, oh, he's been following around for eight months and he has access to the buildings and he's the cable and he makes him act out like having sex. Like that, that struck you as, as a, as a believable thing, even in a popcorn movie. I know you don't listen. First of all, I'm along for the Richard price is worth uh, the, the price of admission. He's not, but he doesn't show admission. up. He's not in the movie. He doesn't show up in the movie. The movie. Richard price. Was, I, I'm being sarcastic, but I mean, it feels like he, the movie was written by a committee. Uh, so you think it was a good, uh, maybe a solid screenplay by Richard Price? No, I don't think anything right? was solid about it. Because Richard Price is still guilty of things like, um, he's like, you're a superhero. I'm Wonder Woman. I wonder how we made it through last night in one piece. Come on, man. You remember liking the movie in 1989? Yeah. Can we dig into that? Do you remember what, what perhaps you... Michael, perhaps I'm a different like... person then. My life has taken me on different journeys. <laughs> I, am, I cannot go back to what I once was. Doesn't, doesn't Stephen Daedalus say that? I, can, I cannot go back to what I once was. Tell me more about what you like. What was your moment? So I actually, I actually did like the entire shtick of them uh, posing as waiters. Um, at the yeah, me too. And, and 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 switching Between around the classes, yeah, yeah. So I thought that there's a, there's a certain point. Okay, I'll buy that that Al Pacino is not a sympathetic character in this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't expect you to follow me down the rabbit hole. Of basically, he's not supposed to be sympathetic. We're ho- our our sympathy for him is is a hope that he can find something to to cling yeah, to, I turn guess. I mean, that's, turn, that's turn himself problem. around. I agree that this is a much better movie when it's a buddy cop movie. Meaning, like shots of shots of him alone in his apartment in that same in that one wife beater, you know, uh-huh. get annoying. But when he's hanging out with with John Goodman, talking about it, yes, the whole if the whole movie were him talking to John Goodman in the car when they're crossing the bridge on the right. way to see them, it would have been fine. Been fine. Right. That's what I mean. Without the murder, without the murder plot, there's no there's nothing else good. Like you know, the murder plot should be something you hang all these other scenes on, but there's there's no there there. I'll buy that. I mean, I think that there's a lot invested in the, I think there's a less skeptical American audience that enjoy uh, Al Pacino and Ellen Barkin together. I'll let me put it that way. And that, that there's a certain investment made there that perhaps does not, uh, does not pan out for you. Maybe. I mean, I think that, I think that, I think that the two of us have more chemistry than those two. <laughs> not that I want to follow you around in a supermarket and watch you pick up peppers while you wear a mink coat. Didn't you feel like you were watching someone's embarrassing home movies? I mean, like, uh, that was like, I mean, how about your other favorite moments? Did you like when William Hickey uh, recited that poem? Did you get all choked up? I didn't get choked up. Uh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> really? By the way, was William Hickey born looking like that, you think? Do you think he came out of the womb looking like that? I do. I think that he was born and then they immediately treated him for jaundice. <laughs> well, they do that with a lot of babies. I think they treated him for, for being born at the age of 90, 99. How about the scene where the, where the wise guy spits on the floor of the shoe store? You don't think that was so ham-fisted? 
Okay, so but but what makes it what makes it not charming this movie but charming when they do it in American Psycho? Because the 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 point of I think it. the point of what American Psycho? American Psycho. All right, the point of that scene is like uh, imagine you leave the shoe store with those two guys and you just follow them around while they swap business cards. All right, let's let's pause it here and we'll go to we'll go to the end section. Sure. Hi, welcome back to segment three. So I blabbed too much in that last one. Mike, you got to bring the pain. Go. So Dan, I just want to talk about genre real quick. Okay, so the movie's called Sea of Love. It's based off of the old 45 that, uh, you know, plays every time somebody gets gets murdered. And I mean, I guess it comes back to what I was talking about this uh, as a popcorn movie or as a specific representative example of a certain kind of movie made, let's call it from the mid 80s uh, to the mid 90s. Like if you think about sea of love as, as a pop song right it's it, it, they're not necessarily moving lyrics there's some but there's su supposed to be something charming about the song about sure. trying to cr trying to cram a certain kind of impulse um into a certain kind of pop song that was being made at the time and and trying to jam that literally to fit on a disc this big right to fit on on a 45 and i guess i see the movie as trying to do something very similar so i give the movie credit as a popcorn movie uh, for trying to pull different kind of threads together um, w between the crime and Al Pacino have, have, having nothing to live for um, and between um, Ellen Barkin's character, Ellen playing Helen, who's, who's kind of lost uh, in life as well and the charm of, of John Goodman. I guess what I'm saying is as a representative example of that genre, I find it the best one that I can think of um, and one that I would, I'd probably watch this movie again. I, I take it from this conversation that you will never watch this movie again, but I will likely return to this movie at some point. I think as a result of this conversation, I'm never going to watch a movie again. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, 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 for those of you listening at home, I'm only, I'm only a bit less of a jerk than this. I'm, I'm being, I'm being facetious, but no, I mean, I, I, all those things take it. There, there are a billion movies worse than this. And I think that, um, you know, I was, I was uh, you know, half of it's trying to be uh, funny for the sake of the show, but also I, this isn't the kind of movie I would go out and urge someone to watch. You know, I, I think it was pod worthy. Sure. No, I mean, listen, that's, that's fair. I just. You know, I, I can't believe that you, you didn't think like some of these scenes were, I can't believe you didn't think those sex scenes were cringeworthy. Of course they are. But I mean, what, what are good ones? Uh, almost none. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm, you know, you know I can't I, believe you, th I can't believe you bought the scene in the grocery store or that he just like, he becomes, um, and I know I, I'm going to predict what you're going to say here that he, that he acts like a jerk and then, and then he has to defend it. Like, he's like, she's like, oh, I love this neighborhood. Well, we have three murders on the street. And I'm like, oh, now here comes the cop. And, and I don't know. I just thought it was, it was, it was clumsily done. Sure. But you don't think, I mean, you don't think people are, are clumsy. I understand that what yeah, you, what you're expecting from a film is Al Pacino to be some better version than humanity, but I, I take it that he's just as awkward as everybody else. No, I mean, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, it's not like, um, I'm not one of those people, it's like, if I don't identify with the characters, I can't really like it. I mean, he's, he's um, incredibly more um, of a horrible human being when he plays Michael Corleone in Godfather sure. 2 than he is here. So it's not that, it's just that I just, <laughs> I just like, I thought he was like kind of shuffling his way through the movie. I, I didn't, sure, I, didn't I mean, I buy, him, I buy him better as an alcoholic detective than I do an, an alcoholic ex-blind colonel. Okay, well, that's yeah. to talk. To talk. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like as 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 popcorn <laughs> movies go, you know. I, I mean, I would rather watch this movie ten times than watch Scent of a Woman once. 
I almost think that I would rather watch Basic Instinct again because at least that has no no pretension towards the human condition. <laughs> like I think this is like its uh, emptiness is its appeal for you. Yeah, no, that's yeah, you got me there. You're on the ropes now. Now I'm just another <laughs> ref is like pan on the mat. I don't know. I just just like um, I thought it was ham fisted, and I thought it was I thought it was just I didn't think it was a good popcorn movie. I think it was like, I think it was, I think it's awkwardness outweighs the popcorn effect. I don't know if I. Yeah, we're going in circles here. Yeah, but I, I guess there's nothing to do but put it down. I, I guess the the best thing I can say about it is that, again, I would watch this movie. I I didn't want to, I, I liked the version that I saw uh, the other night better than the sanitized version from uh, from UPN 9, but, ju- but just, but just better. Um, just slightly better. And I think that there's a lot of things about this movie um, that are just not pulled off well anywhere. You know, the, the scenes that you're talking about, the, um, you know, the scenes where they're supposed to be romantic with one another, that's not well done almost in any American movie uh, that I can, (laughs) that I can readily or easily think about. Um, And if you you disagree, you can, you know, drop a line to Dan on Twitter or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and let him know, but you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's not done well. I thought that the, dialogue was believably clumsy to me um not not even unbelievably clumsy um and uh, i think in that final scene where he's trying to convince her to you know to get back with him after he's after he's sober i think he does actually make ellen bark and the actress laugh in the scene which they which they caught on camera in a take yeah I believe which that. i thought was good i believe that tease the next movie because what what I that will do on the podcast I think because okay. I, I would like to talk use this conversation as a launching pad into dis, a discussion of Heat with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and you know what At, like this one I have not seen Heat since it first came out in the movie so uh, challenge accepted alright let's do it we'll see you next time for Heat thank you so much for listening thanks for putting up with us thank you or at least putting up with me thank you <laughs>